You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. What is going on? Welcome to the Thursday edition of Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. I am still not Mike Halford, still Jamie Dodd filling in for Halford this week here with Jason Bruff. The official automotive sponsor of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. Uh, another uh, another big, busy day on the show today at 6.30. Sean Gentili from The Athletic, based out of Pittsburgh, covers the NHL. So we'll chat to him a little hockey stuff, but also uh, because he's based in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates have been in the news this week for being, in the words of Dennis Eckersley, a, a hodgepodge of nothingness. So we might get a little reaction from Sean on that. That's at 6.30. Mike Tannier from Football Outsiders will talk NFL with us at 7. Adam Stanley, who of course cover, covers golf, uh, will, will chat with us about the latest going on with the PGA, Liv, uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs that are ongoing. That's at 7.30. And Jovan Buha, who is the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, will join us at 8.30. Uh, to talk a little bit about the new extension that LeBron James, the quite lucrative extension, $97 million for two years, uh, that LeBron James has signed with the L.A. Lakers. What's going on, bruv? Well, uh, first of all, good morning. Uh, second of all, the coffee machine is down, so... I'm gonna say about fifty words today. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cap it at fifty. So you did a really good job of the intro there. You yep. probably spoke for about two minutes. So I would just say That's what keep, it's all about. Just say keep going. Keep going. I'll be here. Keep it up. I'll be here if you need me. Uh no, just kidding. It sounds like a good show. There's lots of questions I have for the likes of Sean Gentili, uh Jovan Buha. Adam Stanley, and who's the last one? Mike Tannier. And Mike you talk Tannier. about a no-name lineup. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Come on. I think you just wanted to use that. I think you just wanted to yeah. use yeah. that. You're right. uh, all right, now you got to press another button because it's time to talk about what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? So actually a pretty decently busy night around the world of sports last night. We'll start with the World Juniors. It was the quarterfinal matchups, four games on the ice. Canada beat Switzerland 6-3. This one looked like it was going to get out of hand early. It was 4-1 in the first for Canada after they scored a bunch of quick goals. But the Swiss, credit to them, they hang in and get it done. And I think... If you are, you know, if you're one of the few people who's hyper invested in this tournament and really pulling hard for Canada to win the gold, the important thing here, I think, is that it was Canada's depth that really led the way, right? I mean, I think Mason McTavish had one assist, Connor Bedard, no points. Those have been the star players up to this point, but it was the other guys contributing on those six goals, and Logan Stankoven in particular had a big game. Logan Stankoven is fun to watch. That guy's got a he lot is. of he energy. Is. Dallas Stars pick, uh, plays for the Kamloops Blazers, and I was looking up his stats just because when I was watching the game, I was kind of like, who is this guy? This guy's really good. Um, and he had something like over 100 points for the Blazers, and the second leading scorer for the Blazers had 60 points, so clearly the most dangerous player on the Kamloops Blazers last season. If you're listening from Kamloops or if you're a fan of the WHL, you're, you're probably like, uh, welcome to knowing about a really good player, Bruff, <laughs> but uh, 
I, I like to say that I'm not uh, a hockey scout, but when I watch these guys play, I'm kind of like, whoa, like, wow, that guy, that guy's a good player. Um, the whole slate of games yesterday uh, were closer than expected. Yeah. And in fact, there was one major upset. Czechia takes out the Americans, and I was shocked to see that because I saw the Canadians play Czechia, and although they didn't blow them out, they handled them. They handled them yeah. pretty easily. Uh, Latvia, which, you know, these guys might have been the, the story of the tournament. Well, so far, I mean, there's still the, the medal games to go, but uh, they gave Sweden a scare, and Sweden had to score late, and well, not late, they had to score in the third period to win that one, just two to one. Finland beats Germany. Uh, so the Americans are out. The defending champs are they out. They are out, yeah. Uh, now Canada plays Canada Czechia. plays Czechia, and then it's the, the rivalry, Sweden versus Finland in the other one. It is kind of funny because nobody is watching this tournament. Nobody's really paying much attention. It seems like it's actually been closer and more competitive than a lot of other world juniors we've seen in the past, yeah, right? Sure. Like with the Latvia win and then Sweden just really squeaking past them, and Czechia beating the USA. It's actually been a little bit more unpredictable uh, then I think people going into this just said, okay, it's going to be Canada, U.S., Sweden, and Finland, mm. no doubt, in the yeah. semifinals. And three of those teams make it, but pretty surprising to see the USA not end up. Do you think the uh, tournament organizers were like, come on, when the Americans went out? Oh, because yeah. I'm sure they were thinking, hey, listen, we've barely sold any tickets yeah. to this tournament, but maybe if we get a Canada... U.S. gold medal game or just a Canada-U.S. game. And a semifinal even, yeah. Yeah. To actually move some tickets. That would actually move some tickets. So right now you're looking at maybe Canada-Sweden or Canada-Finland. Uh, and, uh, you know, l- listen, if, if the Czechia, if Czechia, if the Czechians, no, wait, that's not right. If the Czechs. Czechians? The che- no, no, that's it's not that. That's, that's somewhere else. definitely else. not that. It's definitely not that. Nah. If Czechia. Uh, can beat the Americans, they can beat Canada. So uh, yep. I shouldn't get too cocky with that. Um, but I, I fully expect Canada to be in the gold medal game on Saturday. Um, the tournament as a whole, I realize, has not gotten much fan support. It has not got much interest. But when you come down to the medal games, I think people, more mm-hmm. people will be watching. Uh, Connor Bedard... In yesterday's game, had a few moments, but didn't play all that well. And I, I know he hasn't been out on the ice all the time. I know there are going to be questions about his defensive abilities because he's, what, 17 years old? Yes. You know? Uh, but he certainly hasn't been dominant in this tournament. Mason McTavish scored a lot of goals. But like you said, it was more about Canada's depth yesterday. Yeah. Than it was their top line players. Your point about Stankoven as well, I wanted to mention, uh, he was a second round pick in 2021. And you know this, Bruff, there's always been the cry of why don't the, why don't the Canucks pick from the WHL more, right? And yeah. I think this is going to be another example, or at least, look, Stankoven's got a long way to go to establish himself as an NHL player, but this has a chance to be another kind of example in, the, in that because they take Klimovich uh, at pick 41, and then Stankoven goes. Uh, to Dallas a few picks later at pick 47. And again, who knows how those two prospects turn out, but I know at the time there were people pulling their hair, hair out hoping that they uh, they took the BC guy from the WHL, but it did not pan out that way. So the semifinals go on Friday, Canada and Czechia, Sweden versus 
Finland. That's your update from the World Juniors. Oh, by, by the way, I, I, another note from last night's game. Uh, Jack Thompson, a defenseman for Canada, right shot defenseman, scores a goal. I think it might have been the first goal. And looked pretty good out there for most of the game. I'm like, I wonder who drafted him. I'm like, oh, Tampa Bay. Oh, <laughs> great. They need another player. Do they want super, JT Miller back? Super. Can he be part of the package? Third round pick for the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2020, Jack Thompson, young right shot defenseman. There wouldn't you go. That, wouldn't that be nice to have? There you go. Yeah. Could use uh, one or two of those in the uh, in the Canucks prospect pool. Uh, you heard a bunch of baseball coming in from the intro, courtesy of Greg Ballack, who, of course, as somebody pointed out in the text message inbox yesterday, this is your time to shine. So it really it's is. just baseball. It's like, and no one can get mad at you for bringing up baseball because yeah, that's what's going on. It's the one time a year I can just talk endlessly about baseball, <laughs> and you guys can't say anything to me because it's the only thing happening right now. Well, I like baseball too, so I'm I'm all right with it. But so, just to run you down and everything happened, AL wild card race, all of that. Jays finally beat the Baltimore Orioles to stay in a playoff spot. They are one and a half games back of the Mariners, who also won. They swept the Angels. Uh, stories from both of those games, the Jays are mercifully sending Yusei Kikuchi to the bullpen. They will not be starting him again, at least not in the next time through the rotation, which is fantastic news if you're a Jays fan because it is just deathly, deathly frustrating to watch that guy pitch as a starting pitcher. Ross Stripling, of all people, perfect through six innings in the win against Baltimore. And I do feel like... They are calling him Bob Ross because yeah. he was... Because he was painting that. corners out there. That was really good. Okay. That was really good that by George Snyder. They're just wah, desperate. Wah. They're just desperate for any good pitching. They're like, oh my god, it always, what an artist! It always we makes me call him uh, Bob Ross. It always makes me a little concerned when your coach or your manager is like too in touch with cultural references like that. You know what I mean? It's like you should be working. Yeah, you, you should well, work. Why watch why, TV? Why, Although, do you, why do you know who Bob Ross is? It's not exactly the most current. That's fair reference. So uh, maybe he just watched a lot of. PBS growing up 20 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Got really into Bob Ross. No, but the Jays needed that. And the Yankees needed their win too. And it looked like they weren't going to win. That one went to extras against Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay scores three in extras. Was that the 10th or the 11th? The 10th. The 10th. Top of the 10th, Tampa Bay. So Yankee Stadium pretty much clears out. And then Josh Donaldson. Remember that guy? Grand slam home run to walk off win for the Yankees. The Yankees desperately needed that. The Blue Jays desperately needed their win. And guess what? Those teams now desperately get to play each other for four games. It's pretty funny, too. I was talking before the show. I pulled a Stephen A. Smith rant. He wanted a huge rant about how the Yankees suck yesterday. And then they went and did that. Shout out to Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) I love it. He cured the the Yankees losing streak. But Donaldson has been really bad recently Mm -hmm. as well. Also, I got to say the the um, the headline on ESPN about the the Yankees game is Donaldson walk off a release of joy for the Yankees. It's like that's an interesting way to put it. A release of joy. Not not probably the words I would have used. The bringer of joy. Of, a release of joy. A release of joy. Okay. Interesting. Is that legal? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Mariners won uh, despite the Angels getting another incredible performance from Otani. Uh, four for five with a home run and four IBIs. I think what would be funny is if there's an Angels blogger out there or an Angels writer that could 
kind of list all the great games that Otani has had this year that the Angels have also lost. It's a lot. It would be a long, long list. Yeah. The Mariners swept the Angels. I think Otani had a three-hit game. Mm-hmm. The game before he had a four-hit game, also lost. Mm-hmm. I, is he going to... I know there was talk of trading him at the deadline, or at least the Angels would be listening, and a lot of people kind of like, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, what are, they're going to trade Otani. But I guess he has a decision to make at some point soon, whether or not he wants to commit to the Angels, so maybe that was part of it. Yeah. Um, if I was him, I'd be like, hmm, I don't know if I want to stay here anymore. It's pretty grim, really, and... The comparison that I was kind of thinking of, just again, you know, another another great night, but his team gets swept. They're not going anywhere yet again, and you could you could throw Mike Trout in this category as well. But it reminds me a lot of Barry Sanders, right, with the Detroit Lions, where incredible player, and not just a productive player, but kind of a unique player to watch and a jaw dropping, exciting player, right? And just the team is always awful. And then he retires early because yeah. at a certain point it's like, wow, this is awful. I don't enjoy this anymore. Well, hopefully he doesn't retire. No, he's not like, retire. Football's a little different. Yeah, it's you very can just different. be like, this is dangerous. I should get out of here. Otani is just like, this is sad. <laughs> this is this is a bummer. Uh, Chris and Duncan text in. I think the Whitecaps win should have topped your what happened segment. You know, a local team. Yeah, the Whitecaps won too. They sure did. Maybe should have topped the segment, but it's too late now because we don't have a time machine. But Ryan Gold. Had two goals for the Whitecaps, and they get a much-needed win over Colorado. 2-1 Colorado kind of made it interesting in the second half. Some nervy moments, as they say. Very good. Nervy moments uh, for the Whitecaps, but they get the three points, and they need them. That was a that was that was a must win for the Whitecaps when you got a home game against Colorado, one of the teams that's in the mix in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, the Whitecaps have to win a lot more games yeah. down the stretch now in order to make the playoffs. Uh, they had a bit of a letdown after winning the Canadian Championship, which was the high point of the season, the high point of, I don't know, the last five years for the Whitecaps. Uh, they got smoked by the Galaxy. Um, and now they just they need to just pull it together and get some wins and hope to get into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, Ryan Gold is a really fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy watching that guy play. He loves to score goals too. Like he is just one of those guys that really celebrates hard, uh, when he scores. So good on the white caps for getting the three points in a game. They just had to win. And they're back in action on Saturday in Salt Lake. Obviously they're all must win games basically at this point, or at the very least, they're all extremely, extremely important games for the Whitecaps. They're now in the playoffs. Uh, they're the the last playoff spot in the Western Conference. I believe it's the first time all season that they've actually been above the playoff bar. I'm really curious to see what happens with the Whitecaps in terms of buzz, in terms of fan engagement, if they do string a few results together here and actually make a run at the playoffs. They've been overshadowed a little bit so far this summer, obviously by the Lions. They that's been the big story yeah. in terms Wasn't of Wasn't a great crowd last night at no. BC Place. And you know, mid midweek game, a Wednesday game, that's often the case anyways. But it, it's been it's been very frustrating. I think I don't I think that's very fair to say, following the White Caps in recent years for a lot of different reasons. And it always seems like they do some very good things, like bringing in Ryan Gauld, some other very exciting players. But then there's always something that goes wrong. There's a fly in the ointment. It's two steps forward, one step back. 
And I'm always just wondering, okay, is this the time where they actually put together a, a consistent string of results that lets people really get excited uh, and maybe, you know, going into the playoffs this year or at least going in to next year. So not a ton of focus on them right now, but who knows? One win yesterday, if that turns into two, three in a row uh, and some good results, I'm very interested to see how much people kind of climb back well, on the Whitecaps bandwagon. There's a game I'm kind of eyeing. Vancouver hosting Seattle on September 17th. I hope that's a big game because Seattle is in the same boat uh, yep. as Vancouver. Seattle's one point back. So, I mean, look at the standings here. Sixth place is the Galaxy with 33 points, although they got two games in hand on Vancouver. They've got 33 points as well, Vancouver. Nashville's got 33 points. Port- Portland's got 33 points. Seattle's got 32 points. Colorado, who Vancouver beat yesterday, has 31 points. So that was a big game to kind of put not Colorado mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. just a little bit, but Colorado is still in it. So it's going to be really close down the stretch. I hope it's entertaining. I hope the Vancouver Whitecaps are in the mix because that's what makes makes it make, makes it fun. And, you know, l- listen, if they can get into the playoffs after the start that they had, if they can scratch back like they did last season and get into the playoffs, plus – you're looking at a season where they won the Canadian Championship yep. at home against TFC at BC Place in entertaining fashion. I know everyone that went to the game, including myself and Halford, we had a blast at that game. It was fun, although it was really hot. It was like a sauna in there. Uh, if they can make the playoffs and even make some noise in the playoffs, like it's a successful season. If they don't make the playoffs, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, like you, you didn't build, then you didn't build on that yeah. Canadian Championship win. And I remember we had Vanny Sartini on the show right after that Canadian championship win. And I said, isn't it, you know, it, I can't, I don't know what the question was, but he said, we have to build on it. We can't just accept that. Well, okay. We got our trophy for the year. And so the season is a success. Well, it's not, you need to get momentum going, momentum going for the team, momentum going for the fan base, momentum going for the sport in this market. Yeah. And I will say there's just something frustrating So last season, right, they have the incredible run down the stretch, and you're hoping that it carries over into this year. And it doesn't. They're incredibly slow out of the gate, and you're in this kind of same position where, okay, can they do this incredible run to finish the season and build that momentum going into next year? But at a certain point, you have to continue it, right? Like I would love to have been sitting here talking about a team playing this well from the beginning of the season, and I realize that ship has sailed. They can't go back. As you said, we don't have a time machine. They can't go back and do it from the start of this year. But – At a certain point, stumbling out of the gate and then going on a miracle run down the stretch is just, when that's all you do, that's frustrating. Just be good. Be good from the start at a certain point. Are you you like subtweeting the Vancouver Canucks right now? (laughs) I mean, we've seen it for sure. It's, it's It's a fair criticism of the Canucks as well, right? Like, I don't know how much patience there would be for the Canucks if they dig themselves a big hole in the first two months of the season. Oh, they better not. Right? I I think there's going to be a lot of very, very frustrated people. There will be one frustrated Jason Bruff because I think (laughs) last season what was frustrating was the fact that they did dig that massive hole. And then even though they played well under Bruce Boudreaux, it was just such a giant hole to dig Mm -hmm. themselves out of that they couldn't. They played really well. What was the pace they played under? Like oh, there's a there's a yawn from Laddie. Sorry, Laddie. We'll we'll keep you going. 106 point pace, something like that. Yeah, 106 point pace 
under Bruce Boudreau and, and you don't make the playoffs. And he coached quite a, quite a few games for them last season. Um, I Yeah, listen, if, if they start out badly this season, it's just going to create so much frustration in the market because the Canucks didn't do much in the offseason. Mm-hmm. That's the other risk, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what did you expect to happen when you bring back the same group? And let's just say hypothetically, and I don't expect this to happen because the beginning of last year was just such a disaster for so many reasons, but let's say hypothetically they do stumble out of the gate, dig themselves a deep hole, and then try to go on this run to make up ground. I think there's going to be kind of a, not a shrug, but a bit of an eye roll from fans, right? Right. Okay. We get it. You can, you can go on these runs to try to dig yourself out of the hole, but at a certain point you just have to be consistent, right? Don't dig yourself the hole. It's frustrating. It's exciting to see you try to get out of it, but don't go in there in the first place. And just finally, uh, on the white caps, you mentioned the game against Seattle on in September. They've got a bunch of big games at BC place over the next month against some of the teams you were talking about, right? Nashville, uh, next weekend at BC place. And then also LA, uh, they're on the road playing Colorado again in September, and then the Seattle one you mentioned as well later in September. So hopefully those are big, meaningful games, and we see a little bit of engagement uh, from the fans here on the Whitecaps. Before we finish with what happened, got to give a shout-out to the guys from Little Mountain Baseball representing Canada at the Little League World Series, and they got it started with a 7 nothing win over Australia. Shout-out to... Jackson Meyervich, I hope I'm saying the name right, Jackson, four for four at the plate, and Benjamin Dartmill, three and two-thirds innings on the mound, eight strikeouts, only two hits, no earned runs. They will play Japan again on Friday. So uh, Little Mountain Baseball sticking it to Australia, (laughs) repping Vancouver and Canada at the Little League World Series. Little Mountain is my hood now, so they're my my adopted team. uh, Um, So if I... Carisdell has not gotten to the World Series and... (laughs) Ever. Yeah. Forest Hills in North Van has not advanced to the Little League World Series. Uh, if I, uh, which I plan to do, register my daughter in Little League next year, it'll be with Little Mountain. So I'm uh, I'm stoked. I'm going to be they a, run a, a Little Mountain run baseball a, parent. They run a tight ship. Apparently. Player. There's no, a tight ship no, no room for slackers. If you're not Little League World Series material, get out of here. Canada, what's the best Canada's done at the Little League World Series ever? I think they made it to the finals once. Was it, is it, am I, is it Stony Creek or Story Creek, Sto- Stony Creek or something know. like that made it to the final? Uh, Langley had a good run. I remember Wally back in the day. Yeah. I don't, I, I know they got there. Yeah, I don't know if they don't know did how, anything there at, it, at any rate. Uh, Alec, Little Mountain, make it the, make it the first time. Yeah, Stony Creek from, that's a suburb of Hamilton. Is it? Stony yeah. Creek. Yeah. Story Creek, I think is on the island or something <laughs> like that. And they were in 1965. 1965, they made it. Did they make it to the final? They were the runners up there, right? I think uh, they were the runners up. The Canada has never won the, the Canada has never won the Little League World Series. Uh, Sean Gentilly, one of our favorite guests from the Athletic in Pittsburgh, is going to join us next. Normally, we talk Penguins with Sean, and maybe we'll talk a little bit of Penguins with Sean. But the reason we wanted to get him on the show today is, first of all, because he's very funny, and I think he'll have some funny things to say about. Life as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, uh, Dennis Eckersley, uh, <laughs> we played that clip multiple times yesterday, uh, called the Pittsburgh Pirates a hodgepodge of nothingness. This is a hodgepodge of nothingness. Uh, 
and a lot of Pirates fans were kind of like, yeah, yeah, you should you should try watching it every day. Uh, so we'll talk to Sean about that and, and get into the bigger picture question of uh, incentives for teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates to actually try and win games. If they're making money with the revenue sharing and they got a nice stadium that people can go to, what's the point of trying to win in baseball? It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's ridiculous. It really is. Pathetic. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you're the, you're the best. Halford and Bruff. Welcome back. It's Halford and Bruff. Final hour of the show here on a Thursday. Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd and Jason Bruff here with you. The official automotive sponsor of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. And this hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. We are going to get an early start on what we learned here. So keep your submissions coming in. Lots of good ones already in the text message inbox. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Again, at 830, uh, we're going to have a quick chat with Jovan Buha, who covers the LA Lakers for the Athletic. We can do some what we learned after that as well. But we'll get started here. Uh, I will go first with a, a what we learned from this morning, which is that Canucks fans are feeling moderately more confident in their front office than they have in recent years. Uh, the Athletic does this. Dom Lucision puts it together every year at The Athletic. Rankings, confidence rankings, basically taking the temperature of every fan base in the NHL and the public's opinion as well and how confident they are in their front office. This year, the Vancouver Canucks at 21. Okay, so 21, but up from 29th last year. And I believe this is the highest they've ranked in the six years that they've been doing it at the Athletic. So all the way up at 21st now with Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine in charge for the Canucks. 92% of the fan base is more confident in management than they were last year. Just 3% are less, less. confident in the front office. And that's what you would expect It would be from yeah. a new front office and especially following one that just – Ultimately, the criticism and the bad moves were just too much to bear. Um, it is funny, though, because the new management group still hasn't made many moves. Nope. Right? And uh, off the ice, they made a ton. Mm-hmm. Off the ice, I mean, you get when you're in this business, you get all the press releases, right? Like the amount of press releases. I, I had one the other day about all the new doctors. Yes. They've, they've, I'm like, okay, they, so they got a. A new lineup of doctors, right? Okay, great. I hope they're qualified. Uh, so the changes off the ice have been very dramatic, but the ones on the ice really haven't been. Yeah, and that, you know, they include in the athletic article, which you can go check out right now, they include kind of quotes from fans who took the survey. And this one says, you know, 
they are saying the right things, but in the new management regime's first off season, we've only seen incremental changes. I'm still undecided. Another one says they've built an impressive foundation, but have yet to put any significant stamp on the team. I have to reserve judgment until they make a move that claims the team for their own, but I'm more optimistic now than at any point in the last 10 plus years. And it feels almost a bit like a bit of an incomplete grade, right? Where there's yeah. reasons for optimism, but until you're not going to hand out massive praise until you actually see how the moves play out. And a signature move, I think, too. Yeah. The trading the, Tyler Mott is not not a signature move. What, what could be a signature move? Is there one player on the I, roster I you think, think maybe? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to dive into that and see uh, if we can come up with any suggestions. Number one on the list, the Colorado Avalanche, not surprisingly. Number two, Tampa Bay. Again, not surprisingly. Those, those teams actually switched. Last year, the Lightning were first, and mm-hmm. the Avs were second. Number three, any guesses... In the group here, I don't know if you've seen it, I Jamie. Have seen it, oh, so you've I can't seen guess. it, Laddie, Andy. Any guesses on who the third most confident fan base in their front office is? Colorado is number one. Tampa Bay is number two. Chicago Blackhawks. That's right. That is wrong. Incorrect. That's, that's 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 incorrect. Do you want to take a real guess at it? Here, I'll give you a hint. It's not a good team yet. Hmm. Anaheim Ducks? I really, yeah, I'd have to. Actually, not a bad guess. (laughs) Not a bad guess. It is the The San Jose Sharks? Detroit. Detroit. San Jose. I don't know. You tell me to take a guess. New regime. There may be some optimism. I'm taking a stab in the dark. Take a good guess. (laughs) Take a real guess. I'm taking a guess. Uh, It is the Detroit eh? Red Wings, yeah. Okay. Oh, I mean, I just think that uh, that Stevie Y has. He has a lot of capital with Detroit He has a lot of of capital. And, And they seem to be making some good moves, too. Any guesses on last place? It might surprise you. Last place. This didn't surprise me at all. The San Jose Sharks. (laughs) The Chicago Blackhawks. (laughs) They're a lot closer to the bottom than they are to number three. See, I I thought it might have been Chicago. uh, But in high, like, I guess looking at it right now. Arizona Coyotes? Nope. Nope. Understanding the the passionate fan base. Yeah, that's true. There's maybe three people upset. Yeah, they're like, oh. (laughs) And they work at ASU. Passionate fan base is the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay, I can see that. 32nd, and last year they were 22nd. Yeah, the Flyers are a mess. Well, they're, they're always angry, though. The, they are, but I think they're rightfully angry yes. in this case. Just the the way – now, who knows? Maybe Johnny Gaudreau had his heart set on Columbus. But from the outside looking in, it certainly seems like you had a chance to sign the biggest free agent on the market – who also happens to be from your neck of the woods and would have a lot of reasons to want to play there, and instead you blew the money in other places and you just couldn't put yourself in the bidding for that player, and instead you spent it on some pretty mediocre players. That's a tough look. That's going to annoy fans a lot in any market. Okay, another guessing game. I I promise this will be the last one. Which Canadian fan base is the most confident in their management? Right now it might be Ottawa. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, the go. Ottawa Senators, eighth. About, about time All the way one. up to eighth. Last year, they were 21st. Wow. That was a good what we learned. Uh, so, thank you. I appreciate that. The one thing I'll say about these rankings, hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. It's always way easier. I think, one, if you're in a market that is maybe a little bit less intense, right? But also, if you're in the rebuilding stage, people tend to give you a pass. Like, Anaheim is at six. Pat Verbeek's been on the job for like six months. Okay, he traded some guys at the deadline. 
That's great. If you're rebuilding, it's easy to trade guys at the deadline. All of a sudden, you're the sixth best front office in the NHL? That's the easy part. So, I don't know. I, I would take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but there you go. Canucks. I could put together the worst team. Like, yeah. to tank? To tank? <laughs> I'd like, be amazing. Tear this it. team down and get extra draft picks. Okay. It's like that meme yeah. I'm going to create. The worst environment. Yeah. If wouldn't, that, <laughs> wouldn't, the, wouldn't it then be the best team to tank? If, if that's by the your, worst, you mean the best. Yes, exactly. They are right. the best tanking team. If that's your mandate from ownership, it's not that hard to do. Okay, mm-hmm. create some cap saves and then go overpay a guy in free agency. Yeah, I can do that. And then bring I in like Jack Eichel to reach the floor. And you, I noticed you put yourself on the roster. Trust yeah. me, I got a feeling about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm a right shot. I could skate. I can't stop. But yeah. There's something called a laddie in net. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, okay, Laddie, do you have a what we learned? Andy, do you have a what we learned? I do have one. Yes. I have. I'm going to do the uh, the Dodgers announcer. Uh, <laughs> so the 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 on field reporter for the Los Angeles Dodgers broadcast. They're in Milwaukee. Okay. And if you've seen the stadium there, there's a giant slide in center field. That sounds fun. Great fun. Bernie the Brewer, the mascot, goes down at every time the Brewers hit a home run. He it's slides a, it's, down. It's a big, long, twisting slide. Is it? Yeah, big okay. yellow one. So it's okay. hard to miss out there in center field. All right. Well, the Dodgers are in town, and I guess they don't go to Milwaukee too often. The announcer wanted to go take the slide. He wanted to go to center field and do the slide. So they, they threw to the clip before the game, and here's how it went down. Here's how his big slide went down in Milwaukee. Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! Strike on Muncie. Oh, no. Okay. First, I want to report that he's okay. <laughs> okay. Dave. Dave. Hi, guys. And then he pops up on the screen with a big cast on his arm. So he... He was not okay. He was not okay. And Point, uh, by the way, when you were gone, bro, if we got yelled at for laughing at Chris Sale... Uh, breaking his wrist on a bike. We weren't laughing at the injury per se. Right. Those guys were laughing pretty hard at uh, their colleague getting banged up. And he had some broken bones. He had, uh, what was it, uh, Jane? I think it was a broken wrist. A and, broken and wrist. Some and cracked a bunch ribs. of bruised or cracked ribs yeah. as well. Yeah. It looked very painful. He and really the, ate it. <laughs> and the first thing, so what happened was he he was coming down that slide. I, I don't know what kind of suit he was wearing, if it was like space age technology. He, that had, a, made he him... had a piece of material underneath him. Oh, did he? So that's why he was really ripping it down the slide. Right. It was kind of like in, uh, was it Christmas vacation when uh, Clark Griswold goes down on the snow? Uh, does no one else remember that? No, I remember that. Okay. Yeah, it was like lightning speed. Yeah, it was lightning speed. It, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it felt like that. And yeah. then he came. came... Holy crap! Yeah. Holy crap! I regret nothing. And then he he fired out of the slide and and hit like a literal wall, and I, when I saw that, I was like, that guy needs Patrick Reed's lawyer. <laughs> this is designed to for children? the stadium because like there's not really all that much room between the slide and the wall, and he hit the wall really hard. I actually felt pretty like you could see the pain. Oh on no, his he face. was not. Yeah. He was he was his, his face was like I'm really badly hurt. And uh, I know that I'm on t- that I'm, I know that I'm on TV right now, and I don't want to cry. I don't want to look like I'm in serious pain, even though I am. Yeah. I have, I actually I have some sympathy. I was at a, a pool with a water slide recently, and I took my my four year old daughter down it, and it was much faster than I was anticipating. The last turn on the slide really caught up to me, and you know you go down, you're thinking, okay, I'll just hold her, and we, we our heads won't go underwater. It'll yeah. be a nice gentle ent- entry into the water. It was not that. It was no. Uh, 
it was out of control, an out of control. Well, landing. they designed these things with the, the fact that you know kids are made of rubber, pretty much, right? Like, yeah. Oh, they're not going to get injured when they slam into this metal pole. I really feel my lack of core strength when I'm going down a, a <laughs> yes, water slide because, exactly. like, oh, my core's over here. No, no, it's over there now, and I just I like have no control over it. Um, I talked about my trip to the West Edmonton Mall too much last year, but the water slides there are deadly. I had bruises on my back. Do they still have a submarine a there? A submarine? I think so. I didn't go on it. Because I was like, I used to, every once in a while, I would stop in West Edmonton Mall on tour, and the highlight was always looking at the submarine, which apparently <laughs> is one of two Canadian submarines in the Army or in the military. Is one it in, one is it in the military still? Is it serving in the West Edmonton Mall? It's in the West Edmonton Mall. The big naval base yeah. in the West Edmonton like, Mall? Like, well, we have one in the Pacific and the other one's in the we West got, Edmonton we gotta Mall. Pro- <laughs> we got to protect one of our <laughs> just, national yeah, jewels, guys. Just hanging our out. national resources. You never know. Can I just get back to the slide for a second? Yes. Uh, Please do. On the topic. Uh, I want to read my favorite comment from the video. Uh, somebody replied on Twitter, I worked in the slide business for a very long time, and that landing zone is absurd. Yeah. There's a slide business? There, there's you know, a slide you know, there's business. Like, guys, I, I know a thing or two about slides. Does that not sum up the internet right the there? Slides, there's a slide expert. All of in the, the slide comment. industry group chats were lighting up last night. Can you believe the design they have in yeah, this place? What are those area. jokers thinking? All right. Give us a moo cow on that. There we go. Uh, Andy, do you have a what we learned? Yeah, I'm kind of stealing this from Laddie, but it did make me laugh. And it's going going all the way back to our first guest, uh, Sean Gentilly. Um, <clears throat> I learned that the Pittsburgh Pirates owner is named Bob Nutting. And I also learned do not Google this at work <laughs> when looking for images of said owner. Because uh, that's a very dangerous prospect to do. So uh, yeah. maybe put it in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Just a thought. Uh, Bob Nutting is the owner. Of I, the I was Pirates. on Twitter, I think it was yesterday. I think it was even at work, maybe. And I saw that the word nutting was trending. And I was like, <laughs> I'm definitely not clicking on that. I can't imagine why right. it's trending. Now I think it's probably because people were complaining about yeah, Pittsburgh that's Pirates owner. I'm sure that's it was must the... have been what it was. But yeah. I had no idea. I was just, that's a super weird thing to be trending. And I'm going to stay far away from it. But there's your explanation. Those Dennis Eckersley uh, remarks, actually, I was on, I was reading the Pittsburgh Post. Gazette, as I do every Obviously. morning, we hard, all do. Right? You get we up, read the yeah. Pittsburgh Post. You get up, you get your hard copy of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Sit down with your coffee. Ralph actually gets it laminated, so he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Where is up. the Post Gazette? <laughs> it's supposed to be here on my desk every morning. He's just scanning for Rutherford mentions so he can mention it on the show. No, but like they had, uh, they had obviously the reaction from the Pirates players, and they weren't happy. But they also had this big editorial in the paper, basically saying like Eckersley wasn't wrong. Yeah, and it's kind of embarrassing that he brings the, up a fair point. He it's brings like up the, a very fair point. The Marge yeah. Simpson meme, where it's like he's right, but he shouldn't say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All well, right. The owner had a statement too. I think he said it. He said, "What's worse, a team uh, being intentionally bad and losing, or a team that's trying to be good like the Red Sox and still being under 500? But I mean, I'd still I think, rather be on the team. I was going to say, I think a team he that's intentionally that, he had a statement like yes. that. They, they released a comment. I guess most people pick the Red Sox. I <laughs> go out on a limb here and guess that. Hey guys, at least we're good at what we're doing, right? <laughs> trying to be bad. All right, give us a moo cow on that. All right, let's go to the listeners now. Uh, Chet and Burnaby, what we learned, I learned that swearing at my TV at the 2021 draft when the Canucks did not select Logan Stankoven seems perfectly valid today. I think a lot of people are feeling that. It was uh, an extremely impressive performance in the quarterfinals for uh, for Canada. I don't know. I, 
I understand it. I also think it's way too early to be drawing conclusions about those those picks. But look, it's uh, it's another example of, you know, it would have been a nice kind of PR win for that management group to take the guy from BC from the WHL and went for Danila Klimovich instead. He was really impressive yesterday. Stan He's Coven. a good player. He's yeah. a really good player. Not and- not a big guy at all. Uh, listed at 5'8". 170 pounds, so he's uh, he might have put on some weight. So that's just his hockey DB um, weight. But he ultimately went to the Dallas Stars. That was a good pick by them. He just has that undersized but willing to be part of the battle. Yeah. And how many good players have we seen? Like, it, it, he was the type of player that was like, I'm surprised he wasn't drafted by Tampa. You know, right. that, that type of player um, who's just got that competitive – um, desire, but also clear skill as well. Yeah, who's undersized, but I think team smart teams are recognizing that you can be a little bit on the shorter side if, as you said, you have that battle. You can develop the the core strength back to core strength to win those battles in the corners yeah. as well. It doesn't matter if you're five nine. If you have those other attributes, you can still be a really effective player. Even in you know, oh, playoff hockey, big boy time, you can still be a good player in those scenarios. Uh, Robin Surrey, what we learned. What I've learned is that the Live Tour is turning into the NWO of the golf world. At first, the NWO was hated, but as it grew and more wrestlers jumped ship, it got more popular. This is going to be no different than the Live Golf Tour, as more up-and-coming golfers jump ship. We'll see about that. We'll see if more up-and-coming golfers do make that decision, especially if they're guys that grew up dreaming of winning the British Open mm-hmm. or dreaming of winning the Masters. And also, uh, because th- they might not have that dream, might not have that dream. Mm-hmm. The game changer in all this will be if Liv gets world golf ranking points, right? If they're able to convince the system that they deserve points for winning those tournaments, right? It, it's such an interesting scenario, too, because... Liv does not seem to be in it to make money, right? That is not on their priority list. They're doing it for other reasons. I mean, if they're do- if they're spending money to create discussion, they're doing and that. Put themselves in the news. They're doing a pretty they're good doing job that. of it. But you know, I-, I wonder what the point is. There a point where okay, great, hundred million for Cam Smith, who's an up and comer. That's awesome, but. Do they ever run into a situation where they're going to stop handing out these incredible deals because they're they say kind of okay that's even for us that that's a little bit much and I if, think the tour would have to be a going concern. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Will it ever turn into something that people actually care about? That that's the big question. And right now, you know, we talked to Adam Stanley about it. It's basically just an exhibition. It's yeah. like a, an exhibition every time they put it on an event, and it's just it's not that interesting. And I think even. Unless you're getting one of these first wave of really big money contracts, but if you're a guy coming down two years from now, do you want to be in an exhibition or do you want to compete? Is yeah. it right? The, That's is it the, the question. XFL? Is it the XFL to the PGA's NFL? Is that a fair comparison? I, I, the XFL, the XFL wasn't really trying to compete with the NFL. No, that's they the were thing. a spring league, right? They were just they were just trying to fill uh, a void mm-hmm. when the NFL wasn't on, and they wanted it to be a competition, right? Like, Liv seems to be almost taking things that make golf more competitive and removing them. The XFL obviously wasn't able to succeed. We'll see about its next iteration. 
but it wanted to be you know uh, an alternative a league where everyone is trying really hard to win and people are invested in it and you know the thing with the XFL and spring football in general is you theoretically have players who are really hungry to prove themselves yeah. and make the jump to the NFL it's a, it's just a different it's a different situation than the relationship between Liv and, and the PGA. So is Liv's endgame spite then or something? Is it, do they just hate the PGA? A lot of it's spite. Because that's what it feels like. Greg Norman, Greg, yeah. Greg Norman is, is a driven individual, and he is dri- he's a fascinating individual, actually. I think someone should make a, a documentary. I know books have been written on him, but someone should make a documentary of Greg Norman's life. Uh, Lauren and in Port Moody, what we learned, Greg Norman seems to still be on the 16th hole plunking balls in the water. See, here's the difference. Like, I think he's succeeding right now. Greg Norman is succeeding in his job in creating disruption. The PGA Tour is in a panic. They're calling players-only meeting. Jay Monahan, the commissioner, might not survive this. Mm-hmm. He's he's doing what he wants. He He loves to stir it up, and that's exactly what he's doing. He tried to do something similar to this a long time ago, and he was shot down by the PGA Tour. And Greg Norman is a guy that holds a grudge. And I mentioned this in our segment with Adam Stanley. The guy has a trail of broken relationships in his life. Whether they're personal, whether they're business, whether they're family, he he is a guy that is so driven by his... Whatever the desires are, is it money? Is it power? Is it fame? Is it, does it all go, you know, if, if we're putting on the, 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 the Freudian kind of <laughs> cap here, like, does it all go back to his dad telling him, you're, you, I'm not letting you be a golfer and him basically saying, I'm going to be the greatest golfer. And then he turned into the best golfer in the world for a, for a long time. Is that what drives him? Like go if you if you if you're interested in this, Google up a Greg Norman profile. It is really fascinating reading. Um, I think the Washington Post did one recently, just because he is so driven by his ego. And the the one thing that people will say is like sometimes this guy lets reality get away from him. Right. And it comes down to you know how you evaluate what Greg Norman is doing. You have to keep in mind what are his goals, and if 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 his goal was to be super popular, then yeah, as the texture points out, he is plonking balls in the water on the 16th hole. But as you said, if his goal is to you know prove a point, show the PGA that he can be more powerful than them, he can get an upstart going, which might be his goal. Yeah, from his perspective, he's actually doing pretty well right now. He's causing a huge shakeup in the world of golf. It's just. Those probably aren't the goals that uh, would motivate a lot of us in this situation. Uh, Mukau? No, that's a listener one. Yeah, that's a listener one. Oh, we don't one. do them after listener ones? From no. listener ones, no. Wow, okay. You new here? Yes. <laughs> well, uh, here you go, because I was going to read this one. Sorry. Uh, go, yeah, go for it. What we learned from Adam, the former bath guy, I learned that a morning show being kept on the rails isn't sitting well with me. To quote Garth from Wayne's World, we fear change. Well, I just had to screw up there, Adam. So maybe that will uh, <laughs> that will make you feel a little bit better about how the show is going. I don't think I I don't have the the freedom or the flexibility when you're sitting in as the guest host. You can't come in yeah. and be a goof and put take the show off the rails all the time. I think you should tomorrow though, because it's Friday <laughs> it's and it's Friday. Ask Us Anything it's Friday. Yeah, mail it in Friday. 
Come it's on, called, you don't remember when Ask Joey... us anything Friday, well, not mail it no, in I'm adding, Friday. I'm adding to it. In terms of Jamie's, you know, he could just mm. well, mail it in for the there's day. There's a difference between nuts. mailing it in and taking the show purposely off the rails, right? Yeah. Well, they they kind of go hand in hand in ways. But mailing it in to me would be more like low energy. You know, you're not really into it. Off the rails. You can have super high energy, but you're just being weird about it. So maybe I'll try that. I'll try to be super weird about the show tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jovan <laughs> Buha from The Athletic in Los Angeles, he covers the Lakers, is going to join us for a quick chat uh, about LeBron and the future of LeBron in L.A., the chances of the Lakers actually winning another title after some disappointing seasons. Uh, we'll probably still have some time to read some what we learned in the Dunbar Lumber text line after we speak with Jovan. So keep sending them in to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.